Good morning. It is great to see you. I'm so glad you came. I know that the rain sometimes has a tendency to give us pause, but thank you for coming. It means an awful lot to see your smiling faces here. And I think the hour, uh, the Lord has something very specific for us in this hour. So thank you for being here. You know, the uh, <clears throat> last week, Lynn led us in a message on the first part of a three-part series. Overall, we are on the theme of whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to reach others, bring them to Christ, disciple them, enable them to be fruitful, and replicate all of that. Whatever it takes, that's our assignment in Christ. We've got three uh, specific messages that we're working on right now. And last week was... Number one, part of that is we gather. We gather and then part two is grow, we grow. Part three, next week, is we go. Now, lest you think those are all completely separate messages, see them as a whole, okay? We're just focusing on uh, grow today because we talked about gather last week. Now, gather is hugely important. In fact, I want to encourage you to continue to responsibly gather with other believers <clears throat> as much as you possibly can. And I say responsibly. I get that. You know, I've learned more about the environment that we are in right now with COVID and so many other things. I've learned more about that in the last month than I ever wanted to know. Uh, and so I'm very respectful of all of those things. And I've had an opportunity to see what that really looks like. But I also know that one of the things that can happen for us in an environment like this, it's unintentional. In fact, it's very, if you want to say natural, it's very natural when you experience something that's fearful and unpredictable and all of those kinds of words that we could use here. But when you experience that, we have a tendency sometimes to start kind of backing up and isolating and that isolation can become a habit. And that habit can rob us of the essential nature of relationship one with another. Now that might have to be on Zoom. <clears throat> I don't know if any of y'all are fatigued by Zoom, but I've got Zoom fatigue. Okay? I'm doing like four or five a day. <clears throat> and of course I've got on my nice shirt and coat and then I'm wearing my gym shorts. You know, so... Uh, that's what everybody does who's doing Zoom. But uh, it may be Zoom, it may be FaceTime, it might be on the phone. Uh, I don't know what it is. But don't allow fear to rule the day. God has not given us a spirit of fear. But of power and love and a sound mind. Again, that has nothing to do with reckless abandon. But it is very important for us as the body of Christ to stay connected one with another and to stay connected with those who are not in the body of Christ who may be struggling in ways that we don't know about and our voices can be light and hope to them in a difficult time because if we as believers feel a sense of fear and trepidation 
What do those who have no hope and no certainty, what are they feeling? Right? So this is actually, if you can see it this way, I'm already off script, which they all know I always do, but I'm already off script. I want to ask you to do your best to start seeing the environment we're in right now as perhaps the most important opportunity we as the body of Christ have had in decades to be distinguished, to be light and life in a very dark world. We don't shrink back like others do. This is an assignment for us to take a difficult thing and find a way to exalt Jesus in the middle of it. Don't let that slip by you. Okay, that was all for free. You don't have to pay for that at all, okay? Now I'll go back to the actual message I'm supposed to be teaching you today. So, gather. We gather in Jesus' name for his fame and his glory and to establish a vibrant community of fellowship with one another that actually starts to lap over and seep out into the world around us. So we do gather. And don't ever forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. But all the more be gathering together as you see the day approaching. And that day is the day of the Lord. But it is also the signals and the signs that we see about perilous times as we see things deteriorate. And as we see the enemy of our souls at work, and as we see other disruptions and distractions, spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places and all kinds of other things, as we see that, it becomes more important that we gather and we not forsake what God has given to us, this privilege, this privilege of knowing one another, loving one another, serving one another, correcting one another, being vulnerable to one another, making the journey with one another. We gather. Today we grow. We engage with one another for fellowship, for service, for evangelism, for witness to the community. But we're also here to continue the journey, not just gathering, we're also here to continue the journey of individually Sometimes we think about, I'm talking to the whole group. Well, I am talking to the whole group, but I want you to personalize this. Our assignment here in the growth thing is to be so engaged with him that we become more like him day by day, month by month, year by year. There is evidence in our lives that we are looking, sounding, thinking, behaving more like Jesus than ever before. Now, I understand that's process. You understand that's process. But it is our assignment. It is God's expectation. It's the privilege that we have in Christ to bear fruit. And what is that fruit? Well, the consummate fruit, the summary statement is that we become more and more like Jesus and less and less like the person we used to be. And that is a habitual, continual journey for the rest of our lives in growth. There is never a place of, done it, I 
graduated, you know, I got my high school diploma, I got my college diploma, I got my master's degree, I got my doctorate, I've learned everything there is to know. There's never that moment in time for you and I as believers. This is a habitual, continual pursuit of Jesus Christ and reflecting him more and more. What did John the Baptist say? He must increase, but I must decrease. So, growing. And then next week we'll talk about going. And again, don't separate these three. You don't, if you just became a believer last night or at 7 o'clock this morning, you trusted Christ, you already have a story to tell. You don't have to wait for the next lesson on growth for you to share your faith in Christ. Because here's what you can say. You can say, you know what? I'm not real sure about what I just did, but here's what I know. I once was blind, but now I see. I was dead, but I'm alive again. And I want more of this man, Jesus. You can do that right now. You don't have to wait on growth lessons, right? You can do that immediately. But it does all actually flow together. In the New Testament, it flows together. We gather, yes, we do. And we grow and we mature and we help one another grow and mature. But as we're doing that, we're also spreading out into the community and bannering his name everywhere we can. We are a sweet aroma, the fragrance of Christ in our communities. When people look at us and hear us and see us behave, they see something different. And the Spirit of God uses that to probe their hearts and perhaps open the door for us to share a message of what it means to know Jesus Christ. So, grow is the focus today. <clears throat> Our individual and collective growth journey is to pursue, pursue becoming more like Jesus. And I think I just said most of these, but they're worth reiterating. So do a little checklist with me. More like Jesus in our thinking. Do you ever stop and ask yourself, is my thinking in harmony with Jesus? It's not a criticism. I mean, I need to ask myself that question. Do I ever actually stop and evaluate what just came out of my mouth to somebody, is that in harmony with Jesus? And if it's not, why not? And if it's not, what am I going to do about it? Amen. Sometimes we make things so uh, ethereal that we lose the reality of the moment. Right? I've asked y'all this question before, and if I'm ever up here again, I'll probably ask it again, okay? So just get rid. This is one that's going to be Rick every time he's here. So here it is. In the last six days, six months, six years, what are the definable points of growth that you can identify in your journey with Jesus from that point of time to now? What has changed? This is a growth journey. 
And that is God's expectation. It's not punitive. Why would God want us to grow? So that we can bear the most fruit. So that we can know who He is more than we've ever known before. So that we can rejoice and celebrate and advance the kingdom. It's all positive. It's not about just take this course and do this by rope, you know, because I'm making you do it. No. Think about what's the upside. What are the benefits? There are benefits in Christ Jesus. There's being able to treat my wife better than I've ever treated her before. Or my husband. Or my children. Or my parents. How have I changed in any of these things since coming to Christ? And so you know the obvious end of what I'm about to say here is if I can't define that, then it's time for me to get on board and start growing. Definably growing. Becoming more like Him. You know, to say, well, I want to be more like Jesus. Okay, what does that mean? How He thinks, how He walks, His values, His attitudes, how He treated people, His clarity and strength, His gentleness and love and mercy. All of those things. Are any of those traits and characteristics showing up in me? Stagnation is a real possibility even in the life of a believer. And it's actually my responsibility to be a steward of my own life and my own journey. And I'm not doing that to impress anybody. This is not an ego trip. This is what it means to be like Jesus. We actually start to be like Jesus. No hocus pocus there. It's exactly what it says. So, turn. Acts chapter 2, verse 43. I want you to see this. In fact, I would encourage you to read the entire chapter, uh, chapter 2, the whole thing, because there's tremendous context here. And this is the beginning of uh, the explosion of the early church. You know, Jesus has gone to Calvary. He's been resurrected. He has risen now. The Holy Spirit has descended and Peter and all of the rest of the believers and the disciples, they are moving forward with immense power and immense confidence because they know who this man Jesus is. And he becomes the fire inside their hearts. There's a whole other question. What's the level of fire inside your heart to be more like Jesus? I'm not, you know I'm not judging anybody. But sometimes we just need to get down to the raw hide truth. What's the level of fire, interest, desire to be more like Him? Not starting somewhere down the road one of these days. Starting today. Acts chapter 2, verse 43. This will give you a glimpse of what gathering and growing looked like for believers then. 
and what it can and should look like for all of us now. Here's what it says. They devoted, this is the new believers, themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now you can see that there's more that follows that, that whole in my Bible, that whole paragraph is much longer than that. We're just going to stop right there for right now, okay? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that is, listening and understanding. It's, that's a part of what we're doing here right now. This is not the only place that can happen, by the way. I mean, there's life groups, and there's small groups, and there's women's groups and men's groups, and all kinds of ways that we can do that. But they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and that fellowship... One with another. You know, sometimes we think in a Baptist church, and I've been one all my life, so I know what I'm talking about, <laughs> that a fellowship is got food and we sit around and talk. Okay? Well, there's nothing wrong with having food. I'm all for it, right? I'll have some a little bit later this afternoon. There's nothing wrong with that. And gathering together, nothing wrong with that and telling stories and just you know, talking about life. But there's more to it than that. There is a deeper level of connection with other people that you and I as believers in the body of Christ have the privilege of enjoying if we will. Or we can choose the surface level stuff of the eating and meeting and then we leave and we go on and nothing changes in us. Well, the fellowship we're talking about here is about actually engaging with one another on the pavement. Praying for those who are ill. Weeping with those who weep. Rejoicing with those who rejoice. Serving those who need help. Correcting those who are in error. Yes. In the name of Jesus, with love. Being honest with others. Here's what I see. I'm concerned about you. I love you. How can I help you? Maybe I'm wrong. Tell me what you see. We owe it to one another to engage in mutual accountability and mutual fellowship with one another that's deep, deeper than eating and meeting. That's part of the riches that come from being in the body of Christ. But it does take energy and effort. See, these followers, these followers who gathered in fellowship, the breaking of bread, that's not, uh, by the way, the breaking of bread in that passage is speaking to uh, the Lord's Supper, the blood and the body of Christ. That is what that is specifically speaking to. Always remembering, keeping at the center of my attention the reality that He gave His life for me. He gave his life for me. Never letting that get pushed off to the side or off of the table altogether. They did it regularly and they prayed together regularly. Because they were so captured by the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ the Lord that literally... You read, if you study those first few chapters of Acts, you're going to find a phrase that you probably haven't heard from the pulpit before. They couldn't get enough. That's a fact. They could not get enough of Jesus and being with Jesus' people. So, question number three. Where am I with that? 
Where is the, what is the energy level for that? How hot is that fire? So, growing, not just the body at large, but every individual. And there's four specific insights that I want to give you about this matter of growing in Christ. The, the phrase, you know, we want to grow in Christ. But sometimes, truthfully, I have used those phrases and never given anybody any context for what growing in Christ looks like. What is that? How does it work? What does it mean? So, here's number one. Spiritual growth happens individually, intentionally, and by design. Did you know that? Spiritual growth does not happen by osmosis. Now, you can be influenced and inspired by another believer's life. And I hope and pray you've got a whole bunch of people around you who are influencing you and inspiring you. Yeehaw! Thank God for them. But growth, intentional growth, by design, in pursuit, knowingly in pursuit of change, that is very individual. Nobody can do it for you. That's a privilege and a responsibility on me. If I'm going to be different in some definable way, in my walk with Jesus next week, next month, next year, it's going to be because I decide to do so, not just because I'm hanging around the campfire. I know people who have hung around the campfire their entire lives and have missed the richness of actually walking with Him. It's just another box to check or thing to do or something. You know, it's a good group of friends. and There's nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. We all have friends, more friends. But spiritual growth is intentional. It's never by osmosis. It's never by chance. It's because you and I determine that he's worth it. He's worth it. And if I grow in Him, who knows what He might do in me and with me. It's an adventure. It's the consummate adventure. The Amplified Bible uses that same verse and says, uh, they were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to the instruction of the apostles. That just simply means that they were committed to knowing and serving Jesus and sharing Him with others at the expense of anything else. Devoted means they had a made-up mind. They had made up their mind. I am going to pursue Him. And I hope everybody will come along with me. But even if nobody in my class or my group, even if nobody else chooses to go with me, I'm going to pursue Jesus. Because whatever He's going to do in me and with me will trump anything I could get from anybody else. I don't know if I'm getting too heavy here or not. If I am, they may not ever have me back. But I'm going to tell you what I see.
Now, it's a process to grow. Understand that. It is a process to grow. Just like growing in anything in the world. If you decided you were going to pick up a new instrument, you've never played it before, and you're going to try to learn how to play it. Well, is that going to take a process? Is that going to take time? You're going to have to work at it? You're going to have to be consistent with it? Okay, trans... I'm not trying to be completely earthly here, but understand that growing uh, sometimes is painful. It's not easy. Sometimes it's extremely slow because we have to deal with our own hearts and come to grips with stinking thinking. You ever heard that? We've got to come to grips with some stinking thinking, things that do not honor God and don't have anything to do with who He is. They're just things that we've learned in life and messaging we've heard or role models we've watched, etc. And we just got to correct our thinking. So it's a process to grow, yes. But is the question is, is the process worth it? That's the question to be asking. Not as, oh, well, this is, this is hard. Forget about that. Hard or easy. Who cares which one that is? It doesn't make any difference if it's hard to grow or if it's easy to grow. If you're sailing along, you know, at 90 miles an hour or if you're just barely making an inch a day, it doesn't matter to that. The target is the end goal of becoming like Him. And I've got to challenge my own thinking. Because He is worth it. Do you have a made up mind about this? And here's the truth. I'll be honest with you. I know there are some people in this room right now who do not have a made-up mind about it. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying, let's call it what it is. Some of us are still thinking about, well, am I really going to do this? Or am I just going to check the box? Or I go one Sunday and it feels good, and then I go the next Sunday and it doesn't feel so good. Well, in love, sincerely, has nothing to do with what you're feeling. Your feelings will lie to you in a heartbeat day by day for the rest of your life if you choose to allow them. We're talking about a courageous, disciplined commitment. Well, Rick, that sounds like work. Well, okay, maybe it will be work. (laughs) But again, what is the point? And to whom are we accountable That's the reality. Okay, I better hurry up. Got to give you this. You know, y'all know the Apostle Paul, right? Wrote a whole bunch of the New Testament. When he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, his life changed forever, right? But you also should know that it was a process for him, right? In fact, it was a very lengthy process. Initially, once he came to Christ, there was a long period of time of growing before he really comes onto the scene. And it was a process. And it'll be the same for us, but it's worth it. So I want to read, I read something that he wrote, and I want, you, I want you to listen and see if you hear a made-up mind in what you're about to hear. Do you hear a made-up mind? In Philippians 3, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect or complete, 
he acknowledged he wasn't perfect or complete. And he, would, he probably acknowledged that on his very last day. Because that's the truth. We're not ever perfect or complete here. We are in process towards him. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what is ahead. Straining forward. That is a process intentional. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That is a made-up mind. I know I messed it up. I'm probably going to mess it up again. But regardless of all of that, my course is fixed. And He'll correct me and He'll discipline me and He'll grow me and I'll learn and I want to honor Him. So whatever it is, I'm going to go through it so that I can get closer to Him. Number two, insight number two, growing requires consistency. If you decide that you want to eat a healthier diet, can I tell you, don't get mad. If you want to eat a healthier diet for your general wellness, do you know that you're going to have to do that more than one Sunday afternoon a month? Do you know that? Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, If you're going to run a 10K, I got to tell you, in your mind, you can see it. Hair flowing in the breeze behind you. But you're going to have to run more than one mile a month to ever get there. Right? I mean, these are things that we know. We just don't sometimes apply them to the reality of what Scripture is trying to say to us. This is a process for the glory of God. The change that happens in us, you know what the change that happens in us? It is this, valuing Jesus enough to stay in a relationship with Him daily. Good, bad, or indifferent. You won, you lost, you got rained out, you messed up, you did well. The bottom line is you're staying in it daily, one way or the other. That's part of growth. Insight number three. The goal of growth is life change, not just knowledge. Many of you uh, were on the rolls as babies in a church and so you know the whole routine and the reality it's a good thing that you if you read scripture and you study uh, great writers and get insights and listen to cassettes that's all wonderful the question is if it's all just knowledge and it has not transformed behavior then all you I've just become a sounding brass or a tingling cymbal Just noise. This has never been about knowledge. Knowledge is essential. But the goal is what? Behavioral change. When my behavior changes, that's when you'll know that something's going on in me. If I've been a jerk, and I'm a little less jerk this month, 
and I'm a little less jerk next month. Why? Because of Jesus, because of a focus on him, pursuing him, learning from him. It's not, the goal is not knowledge. There's enough knowledge. The goal is to become like him. That's a lofty goal. I get it. And at my age, you know, I realize I don't think, wow, there's still so long to go here. But that's just part of the process. Information without transformation is useless. Knowledge without action is meaningless. Growing in Christ from the inside to the outside means we let it be seen in us. It's not residing in our head. It's being acted out in our conversation and our behavior. And number four, insight. Insight number four. Growing is amplified and accelerated when we do it together. Now, do I need and want to spend time with Jesus alone? Yes. Do that. I encourage you. Do I need to read and reflect on his word in quiet, in private? Yes, do that. Is quiet and solitude and transparency with Jesus beneficial? Yes, do that. But what's the whole context of the book of Acts? Together. Vulnerable. Receiving insight and support. Getting help, giving help to others. In fact, I think that any person in any believer who has no appetite for substantive engagement with other believers is missing one of the most precious gifts that God has given us for making us more like Christ. Isolation is deadly. I need the feedback. I need the encouragement. I need the insight. I need the challenge. I need to be able to be vulnerable enough, which that's, I understand. That, and, I, you know, because I'm a guy, I can speak about guys, even though I'm only one. But I know that a lot of men who are hesitant to get in life groups because of the fear of exposure. They feel vulnerable, and it's not comfortable. It's that macho, machismo, I'm the guy, I've got it all together, and I can't let anybody see what's behind the curtain. And that happens with ladies as well. But I have got to get engaged with other believers who are in pursuit of the Lord Jesus as well because they can be a help to my journey, and I can be a help to their journey. And I forfeit a huge part of how God designed the body to work if I just stonewall it and say, I don't need one of those groups. Lovingly, respectfully, and you can challenge me on this, but yes, you do. Yes, you do. You may not even realize it, and that's okay, but yes, you do. When we do it together, Last verse, and then I'll stop. 
Verse 44 of chapter 2. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. <coughs> this is the body together. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying favor with all the people. And guess what the last line says? And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Connect the dots. We gather. We grow together. We engage with one another. God uses the gathering and the growing. And because we are gathering and we are growing, our confidence in the Lord Jesus and our demeanor that reflects Him, etc., that starts to trickle out into our communities and into our other relationships. And the more that happens, the more people start to say, tell me about this guy, Jesus. That is what God is looking for from us as a body. It's not a sit and soak. It's a go and tell. But the go and tell has context. Gathering and growing and going intentionally with confidence, with love, with gentleness into a world that is dying for real life. So think on these things. And for some of you, the most important thing you might need to do today is to settle the issue of do you know Jesus personally? Not institutionally, not environmentally. Do you know Jesus Christ personally? Embracing Him as Lord and Savior. That's the beginning of real life. Where are you with him? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for these moments together. I pray, Lord, that you would do your work. Feeble words here, Lord, but you can make your voice heard in each and every heart. Lord, I thank you that you challenge us. You love us. Your heart is for us. And yet, Lord, there is so much more that you want to do in us. And you've designed it so that we do have decisions and choices to make. You're not going to twist our arms and force us to do things. You want us to respond to you because of love, because we honor you, because we have life eternal as a gift, the consummate gift. Do your work among us, I pray now in Jesus' name. Amen.